Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We have a lot of stuff to cover today, but but before we get into any of that, we want to make a quick announcement. We are using a different software to record the podcast this time. We are using this software called Riverside. It's going to be a little different, so if the audio quality is any better or any worse, please let us know. We want to know because we want to make sure that we can provide the best listening experience to you guys. Today we are going to be talking about the American Athletic Conference. We're going to be previewing the conference, who we think will be the winners, who we think will be the losers, and the very interesting things that you will want to see this year watching that conference. We get to have a proper football update. We have a little update from our crew as well, as one of us has a very exciting opportunity that you will find out about a little bit later. Before we get into the episode, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content and where you will be able to participate in these conference picks as well. Without further ado, let's get into it. Let's boo! But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Don't forget that strike! Let's back this ruler. Yeah! Let's go out now, baby. Let's go. I have to be possible! We're at a waterfall, dude. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. And welcome back, everybody. Um, welcome, welcome. Me, me and Justin are here. Um, we have some sad news, and this is how we're going to kick off the podcast. Um, as housekeeping or roughhousing, however, went, however uh, we will phrase it in the future, because Dan is moving to back east, the Beast Coast, as he would call it. Uh, he the is Beast going Coast. to yes, uh, he is going to oh, be no. studying out there. Um, he will be in a lab, uh, not he will he will be working in the lab. He will not. Dan's going to be in the lab. <laughs> He'll be cooking. What's he going to be cooking up? Um, yeah, so he'll be out there, uh, his wife's gonna be going to Stony Brook, uh, out there on Long Island, uh, but this will be, I guess this won't be because he's not actually here, but this will be the last episode with him in Utah, so we don't really know how it's gonna work moving forward. Yeah, and while it's sad that we won't have Dan here on the podcast anymore as frequently, we will try to have him on as much as possible. It's super exciting for him. We're super excited for him, for his wife, for his family, for the opportunity that they have to go chase their dreams out east. Um, me being from the West Coast, I refuse to accept the fact that the East Coast is the Beast Coast. But I will say, congrats, guys. That's awesome. You have our full love and support going forward. We're all strong and true. Loves you. Just, that, that just was an awful heart. heart. Yeah, just made a little heart. It was beautiful. Uh, yes, we echo that sentiment. I do. That, that's, um, that was better. Uh, so yes congrats to Dan and Abby uh, but he will be missed we'll try and get him back on because how else are we going to talk about proper football uh, without Dan there to guide us (laughs) who's going to put the beans on our toast exactly Um, let's kick things off with a little discussion now that we kind of uh, transition into sports there's something I need to get off my chest Um, and it is that Fox Big Noon Saturday must be stopped 
Uh, I'm sorry. It, I know it's great. We love Gus and Joel. We love the commentators. We love the atmosphere, uh, usually. Um, and they've had some pretty good games. Alabama-Texas last year was awesome. Uh, Oklahoma-Texas last year was not awesome, but it usually is. Um, Ohio State-Michigan is usually Big Ten or Big Noon Saturday. Um, but they have been kind of overstepping their bounds, in my opinion. Penn State-Ohio State last year was not a 7.30 Eastern kick. It was a 10 a.m. kick. Uh Penn State-Michigan this year it will also be a 10 a.m. Big Noon Saturday game. Uh, as a fan of the in-game experience, I am going to miss that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Justin? Because I'm, I'm a little taken aback by the fact that these big-time games are going to be played in that 10 a.m. window. I get why, why you feel that way. Um, it, it's, it's kind of fun from a TV viewer's perspective just because you get to wake up in the morning – and see this incredible game. Just like imagine, you know, you're in the Mountain Time Zone. You're getting that at 10 a.m. You're in the, you're on the West Coast. You're getting it at 9 a.m. Heck, if you're in Hawaii, good morning. It's six, seven in the morning, and you get to watch Penn State and Michigan play. Like, why not? Let's just all move to Hawaii. But no, I, I agree with you. It's it's kind of this weird thing for for a fan. But what do you do with Big Noon Saturday? Right, all of the big programs in the Big Ten have incredible night atmospheres. So if you take them out of Big Noon Saturday, who do you have left? Do you get Illinois playing Rutgers or Indiana playing Purdue or something? I guess Indiana Purdue is a fun kind of rivalry thing. But still, like, who do you put at that Big Noon Saturday window then? That's a good point. You're definitely not going to get the viewership that you would uh, a Penn State Michigan, right? And if that game's on the table, if you're a Fox executive, like you got to take that game because that's going to make you the most money. Um, and it's a good point. Like, nobody's going to watch Illinois-Wisconsin at 10 a.m. Uh, I mean, people watch it, but they're not going to watch it. Um, Except but, us. Yes, we will we'll watch all of it, no matter what. Uh, but, yeah, it does make oh, sense yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from a business perspective um, to just do it at that time. It's I – don't, I don't know. Like, the in-game atmosphere um, – I think that's the thing that will be most lacking. But again, like these fans, I guess like they're going to show up no matter what time of day, right? I guess it's just that oh yeah. That I like that mental factor, the subliminal like, oh, it's nighttime, we're playing under the lights, like, you know, the, the Saturday night light. Like I don't, I don't know. I think it's it's maybe just um decorations on the cake. The cake is going to be the exact same, okay. but it may just be decorated differently. Uh, maybe that's the the right way to look at it. I mean, another thing you have to factor in is the Big Ten at large is full of states that in the winter are a frozen hellscape. That is true. <laughs> you do not want to be in Minnesota in November. You do not want to be in Wisconsin. You do not want to be in parts of Ohio and parts of Michigan. You do not want to be near the lakes in any of these places. But I don't know, like. God forbid, God forbid, they schedule Michigan and Ohio State for a big noon game. That is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. I mean, at least then you get to play in 10-degree weather instead of negative 10-degree weather. <laughs> so maybe there's that factor, too. Who knows? Like, you want to give the best games the best weather so that there's the best performance. I don't know. Makes, we're just we're grasping at straws here. but. <laughs> It's the middle of July. We're coming up with content. Come on. <laughs> Throw us a book. Uh, but, yeah. 
Um, we're, we're doing some stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, regardless, I mean, I'm going to watch it no matter what time it's on, so I guess it doesn't really matter, right? Um, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, football on the television is football on the television. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah. Well, as you said, at the end of the day, football on the television is football on the television. Yep, Absolutely. And we will be watching as the sickos we are. Um, let's get ahead to a couple other of, of noticias in the El Programme, as they would say. Ooh. Bilingual. Well, I mean, speaking of being sickos in sports-related terms, um, I'm a huge sicko in the fact that I follow um, professional ultimate frisbee, the AUDL, the Salt Lake City Shred. We mentioned it last week. Ended up playing the New York Empire on Friday. It was a huge deal. The league was clamoring for it. The Titan of the West going up against the Titan of the East. Unfortunately for the Salt Lake City Shred, it ended in a four-point loss. Very close game. The closest game the New York Empire has had in a very long time. But that means the Salt Lake City Shred conclude their year at 11-1. AUDL playoffs start July 29th. The Shred get a first-round bye as the number one seed in the West. The Empire will get a bye as the number one seed in the East. Playoffs start July 29th. The collision course for a Shred-Empire championship game starts now. Okay. So we get a rematch is what you're saying. If we can take care of business. We do get a rematch. I think we will. Um, I don't know. Uh, the team, the only team in the West that we have struggled against is Colorado. Colorado is the three seed, though, and we'll be playing, um, if I'm not mistaken, the Oakland Spiders, who are the number two seed. Um, but I do think you know we, we've done a lot better versus Oakland than we did versus Colorado. So if Oakland takes care of business, we have an num- we have an even easier route to the championship. If not, then what can you do? Okay, uh, it's crunch time, I guess, for the. I'm trying to crunch come up with a funny, mm-hmm. funny quip, uh, but crunch time is, seems adequate. It's crunch time. It is, um, disc time. <laughs> it is disc time. It is disc. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just disc. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Moving along. Uh, past. It is disc. Uh, we had a uniform leak. It this is actually disc. comes from an inside oh. source, from Kevin, who went huh? to BYU. From All Kevin. Time. Yes. Um, so he went to BYU alterations to get like my mom's dress altered or something, and he was talking to the lady. Okay. And she let flip All of the uniforms they're going to use this year. So. Yeah. Oh. I know. What do we got? What do we got? We got leaks. We got leaks. This is very odd. Okay. So they will be wearing the Royal, the White and Royal. Good, good. And Navy. Navy. Okay. Which we haven't seen. We didn't see last year. We didn't see either of the Navies last year. Um, The All Navy. We will see blackouts again this year. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So. So we're going to see an all-royal, right? And we're going to see an all-navy. I, I assume? Theoretically. I, theoretically, yes. Let's talk about color rush games, okay? We got 
the All Royal, the All Navy, and the Blackout. Yep. What if you had to choose any three games on the schedule to see those uniforms in? Which three games on the schedule are you taking? Mm, and and these are like Royal, Navy, and Black, like head to toe, right? Yes. Uh huh. The the total color rush. Okay, I'm saying the Royal game has to be the home opener versus Cincinnati, Friday night, first Big Twelve okay. game. Like I like it. We're, we're all the Royal. Uh, Navy. I mean, if we have to choose one. Um, do the SUU game. That's like one. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> Just get it out yep. of the way early. Um, and then the blackout. Yep. I mean, I don't know if we'd wear it on the road. Like, I think it's got to be a home game, right? <sighs> I, 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 I think I so too. Texas yeah. Tech. The game that I'm seeing is Texas Tech. Well, I just because Texas Tech okay. is. The, the, I can see that. Into the black, so we can co- co-op that and and take it. I don't. I don't know though. What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see. Um, I mean, that Cincinnati game is an eight fifteen kick. I wouldn't mind seeing the blackout game there. Um, but I would really like to see one of these color rush games versus like Oklahoma, November eighteenth. Mm, true. Senior I feel night. like I don't, I, I don't know, like because they're obviously gonna be they're gonna be wearing white. If we do the all royal, that would that might be a little weird, unless because they're not gonna wear a ton of of the maroon color, so it would just look all royal versus white. I don't. So I think if we pull out the blackout, it would have to be versus Oklahoma, and yeah, do the royal color rush versus Cincinnati. I like it. I, and then are we in agreement that the navy is Southern Utah? Yeah, SUU. No other games, just SUU. That's the only one. And you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay with wearing Navy. And this might be a hot take. At Texas. I'm actually with you. Navy pants, white and Navy jersey at Texas, because that's what Taysom Hill absolutely murked Texas in. So I'm okay with that. Got around the same page there. All right, so uh, there you have it. Uh, blackouts for the end of the season. Navy at Texas, but only the bottoms. And then Royal against the Cincinnati. Okay, yep, mm-hmm. heard it here first. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's, I'm okay with that. That's exactly how it's going to happen. It is gospel. It has come from. It has come forth from the royal, strong, and true fount of all knowledge. I like that. The fount of all knowledge. Come thou fount of all the knowledge. Um, so, uh, let's... Amen and amen. Let's move ahead. Let's get into some, uh, proper football. Uh, Dan isn't here, so we'll do our best. Proper. But expect it to be a little shit. Let's get into it. Um, RSL... We'll get it, we'll get it. We, we, we can do this. Um, real Salt Lake, not Real Salt Lake, but Real Salt Lake, as we dubbed them last week. Uh, they had a comeback draw versus Kansas City. It was quite exciting. Um, they were losing basically the whole game, came back and, t- and, and drew. They didn't tie, they drew. Um, and then they absolutely slobber-knockered oh, the Red Bulls 3-1 at home. Uh, so that was very, very exciting. Oh. I, 
I don't like at the new edition of Chicho Arango. Like we're playing really, really well right now. We're finally doing that thing that Dan has been telling us to do all season of draw on the road and win at home. So that's a big step, right? Okay. Um, uh, I propose yeah. that we do not change the name. I think Real Salt Lake is still appropriate. They are not Real Salt Lake. They're okay. not royalty, uh, but they are real. They're not fake. Okay, yeah. I can go with that. I think that's a very proper, proper, proper football way to go about things. Uh, there's no win, no loss, just a draw. Um, yeah, keep it the same. Okay, uh, there you have it. They remain real Salt Lake. Um, next up, we have the U.S. men's national team. They lost in the Gold Cup to Panama in a penalty <laughs> shootout. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Uh, disgusting. It was disgusting. Our, our C team is low-key, like, kind of pathetic. Um, we're kind of like the teams that make the jump to P5 that don't have the depth necessary but we have like the high-end talent um which may or may not be byu uh we'll see um but yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now with that so to give everyone just a little bit of context on this um imagine you're playing basketball right in high school okay and your varsity team um, is traveling at a tournament. The AD was dumb, double scheduled you. So you have your JV team play in this tournament instead. Okay. Great. Uh, your JV point guard is a beast. He's averaging like 20 points a game. Absolutely sick. But then you look at the box score, and even though he's averaging 20, your team is still losing by 40 points to the worst teams in the world. Yikes. I feel like that's what happened. I don't know. Is, is, that, is that right? I don't know. I don't, I don't follow football football quite as much as you and Dan do. Is, is that what happened? Did our JV team lose to the worst varsity, like, loot, not win the worst varsity tournament that exists? Uh, basically. That's essentially exactly it. Um... <laughs> Like, we're a lot better than that, but our JV team is nowhere near varsity level. Mm. I think you're 100% correct. Rats. Yep, rats. Um, however, the U.S. women's national team is popping off. Not really. They haven't played anybody. But this oh. Friday, the World Cup starts. Or this Thursday, actually. The U.S. women's national team play on Friday. Uh, but, yeah, it's World Cup time, baby. Like, let's go. It's exciting. Can they bring home the natty or the internatty? The internatty. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they should. They There's a lot of injuries on this women's team. However, there's a lot of injuries across the board. There's a lot of, of players that have been injured. And if we're being honest, like you could probably build a World Cup winning team out of the international players that have been injured. Like If you took all the mm. women's national team from the USA – that are injured and combine them with all the other injured players, they would compete for a title. Um, that's how injured this field is. But regardless, the U.S. is still, they should still win this World Cup. And it all starts Friday night against Vietnam. Call that a rivalry. Vietnam? It's a rivalry. Oh, man. <laughs> um, hopefully there's no the, napalm. The trees are whispering. 
<laughs> um, yes, but it is at 7 p.m. Mountain on Fox. So Fox will be your home of the World Cup, just like it was last year. Uh, it should be exciting. I'm very excited for the World Cup. I have a hot take. The American women are going to take home silver. Second place. What? They're going to take home second place, and it's going to be because they are missing the presence of Ashley Hatch. You know, I don't hate that take, Justin. Makes a lot of sense. If they would have had Ashley Hatch on the team, they would have gotten first. I think you're right. Um, so who do they lose to then? Let's let's see your crystal ball projection. <laughs> um, they lose. Uh, let me make sure they're on the opposite side of the bracket. Um, uh, do do do. France. I don't, France. Okay. Hey, France is good. They have a great women's team. They had an incredible like promo, like a TV spot. It was really cool. I highly recommend uh, all of you soccer fans to go watch it. It was very cool. Justin has called it. France is going to beat the U.S. because they do not have a backup striker, Ashley Hatch. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's how, right. I call it how I see it. That's how I see it. <laughs> uh, we will get back. We will have constant updates on this. Um, the games are being played in New Zealand and Australia, so it's a 16-hour time difference. Um, so most of the games will be on at like 1 a.m., 4.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 11 p.m. Um, but some of them will be at like 7 and 8.30. You'll be able to watch at least like two games a day, basically. Um, okay, So Yeah, and if you live in New York, as Danny will, uh, yeah. they actually, a couple weeks ago, they passed a bill that will allow alcohol sales at bars to continue 24-7 during the Women's World Cup. So if you're in New York... Oh. And you love footy. You can literally spend all night at the bar. Just drink until your heart's content and watch footy. So uh, that's a plus. Yeah, to all of our alcohol drinking fans in New York, um, to the zero of you out there, uh, yeah, go enjoy it. <laughs> uh, they should do this for like So Delicious and Swig in Provo. They should keep them open all night long yeah. and put up TVs. Heck yeah, why not? Oh, that would be a disaster. Could you imagine? Oh my goodness. That would be a disaster. All of the soda, all of the sugar, all of... Oh my goodness gracious. If, if they kept, like, the wash open 24-7 during, like, March Madness or something, oh my goodness, I'd be in a, I'd be in a coma. <laughs> yes, we would finally experience what being hungover feels like. <laughs> yes, we would. Uh, all right, we'll push for that next time there's a, a World Cup in the opposite side of the world from us. We'll push for that. Mm -hmm. Yep, I will contact the wash personally. <laughs> all right, there. Uh, Justin is just – he's going big, global and noble, bold predictions left and right. Uh, I like this. Uh, that's just what I do. I, they call me Hot Takes Justin. Nobody's ever called me that in my entire life, but I am now declaring that that's what they call me. All right. Uh, I think as we move to this new era of Rose Strong and True Podcast, you shall be known as Hot Takes Justin. <laughs> Hot Takes Justin. That's my, I mean, if that's what I get known by, then I'm okay with that. That's not the end of the world. You have been knighted and dubbed Hot Takes Justin until further notice. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I shall not fail you in my quest. 
<laughs> um, let's move ahead to American football. Uh, yeah. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Big 12 Media Days happened. That was kind of the biggest thing in American football, BYU-related. Um, what is it, something that you liked, something you learned, uh, something that you took away from Big 12 Media Days? So, Big 12 Media Day was just like any other media day. Um, just a pointless showing of, we are so cool, look at our conference. Like, <laughs> you, you never really learn anything at these media days. Like, your marks like... Oh, we're going. We're still going to expand. Oh, we're the only conference with three time zones. Um, did you forget about the Mountain West and CUSA? They also have three time zones. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like all this other. One thing that I did like is you know you start getting leaks of like different stories and stuff of, of things that happened leading up to media day. And one of the things we heard was that in the meeting room when Brett Yormark brought up playing in Mexico. I really like how Tom Holmo was literally the first person in line and said, boom, we'll play there. We will play there. We will play in Mexico. It doesn't even matter. And yet, whoever, I forget who was reporting on this, but whoever was reporting on it said, like, yeah, they, they hadn't said, like, when, where in Mexico, like, they, who they were going to play. They, none of the circumstances. But playing in Mexico, Tom Holmo was the first in line saying, we will do it. Because we are an international brand, and no matter what city it is in, in Mexico, we will still fill up that stadium. So I love that confidence coming out of our athletic department, and I love that Tom Holmo is on the train of expanding the game globally and expanding BYU's brand to the maximum of its capacity. That's, that's something that you love to hear. That's incredible. I love that. And, and let's be honest, Tom Holmo is completely right. If Brett Yormark really wants to do this, he's going to send BYU every single year because you'll fill oh, the yeah. stadium, you'll have fans from all over, you'll have a section of missionaries, for goodness sakes. Like, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> uh, and let's be honest, I would love to drive to Mexico or fly, whatever. I would love to get like, yeah. to Mexico to go to that game because it's going to be incredible. <laughs> Jared's reverse, like, crossing the border illegally. He's going to hop in the undercarriage of a van on the way to Mexico so that he can attend this football game. Yeah, like, let's be honest. That would be amazing, especially for the student-athletes as well. Like, a lot of them would never have that, that chance to go travel internationally, have that kind of, like, study abroad, quote-unquote, experience. Um, that's really cool, and I'm excited that Tom Homo was was that excited about it and that, like, eager to volunteer for that. Um, something that I really liked kind of goes along with this, and it's something that your mark was focusing on the whole time. Like you said, we never really learn anything solid from these because it's just a showboat. Um, but I love what he said. He said that he wants to focus on connecting with Gen Z, connecting with culture, and he wants to, quote, live at the intersection of culture, business, and sports. And he talked a lot about connecting with the Hispanic fan base because we're in the Southwest and there's a lot of Hispanic culture there. And he just talked a lot about connecting with like these other cultures, expanding football, expanding the Big 12's like brand. Um, and I really like that. I think there's a huge market to be tapped into in these other markets, these other cultures. Um, like think about soccer, for example. It's a worldwide sport. Imagine if the Big 12 can even start to begin to open the seal uh, to that and make football American football. Um, part of that culture and bring some of that Hispanic culture and the other cultures uh, in the Big 12 footprint 
bring that to the Big 12. I think that's a, like a really beautiful goal to have. I don't really know how you accomplish that, um, but I think that's really cool that he has that as a goal to connect with these, these young kids, these Hispanic and, and other cultures. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. I agree. I think that's awesome. I think Yomark is very forward-thinking. And in this world, like, you know, like, not to say that we're much different than Gen Z. Like, what, what even are we? Are we Gen Z as, as 1999 folk? I have zero idea. I think we're, like, one. Because we're, like, we're Gen like X Gen or Z. something. Yeah, we're in between Gen Z and the Millennials, I think. Okay, yeah, it says Gen Z is anyone born between 1996 and the early to mid-2000s. So we are Gen Z then. So, technically we're Gen Z. Um, so I can't speak for the entirety of our generation, but I mean, from some of the people that I've met that are younger, um, this is a very, I mean, even, even people our age and older, technology and social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, has turned us into very... Um, <laughs> chronically online social creatures. Uh, not social in the fact that we get together anymore, but social in the fact that we're always on social media. And it's caused our attention span to kind of die down a little bit, which makes a three-and-a-half to four-hour college football game kind of hard. So you have to find other ways to engage Gen Zers and other people from younger generations that are not football fanatics. And I think that's the... That's the huge market that exists in the United States and outside of the United States that needs to be tapped into because the football loyalists, they'll watch football. They will watch football. But the football loyalist is not as, not as um, frequent of a breed, not as, not as numerous of a population as it once was, you know, outside of, you know, Texas or, you know, the, the football Bible belt, you know. So connecting with that, part of the generation that part of the united states demographic of the world demographic is so important i think brett yarmark might be the first and only commissioner at this point that's actually trying to connect with that demographic so i'm very excited about that yeah it's really cool i love it let's see one other thing that we saw at big 12 media day was literally every single team every single team was like yo Cody Epps is, like, a really nice guy. We love Cody Epps. Cody Epps, Cody Epps. Like, there was, like, innumerable mentions of Cody Epps. I mean, that's pretty cool. Good for Cody, right? Yeah, great for Cody. And great for us that we retained him, honestly. Like, if everybody's loving on him that much, you know, it's great we got him back. Yeah. I will say yeah. I will say that uh, Cody Epps got strike two uh, at media days. Because strike one was leaving the trail and then coming back, right? That was yeah. Like, what was strike two? What was strike two? Uh, the reporter asked him, what's the aspect that you've been working on most in the offseason? And he said his golf game. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of us. He's one of us. He's one of us. Uh, hopefully, like, he's still good at football. Um, I hope he remembers that that's, like, the sport he plays. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean... I mean, good for him, but also, like, football. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, you can practice your golf game a little bit. Maybe he's saying, oh, the rotation of the shoulders and the hips as I hit the ball will aid as I go up for those 
balls that are like right above my helmet, right? I gotta whip the arms up there just like how you would whip that golf club, you know, put it, you know? Maybe it's helping his form catching those jump balls. You know, it's a connection that no one knew existed. <laughs> is the connection between golf and American football. They're so yep. translatable. Yeah, duh. <laughs> duh. Duh. Yeah. Anything else from media days, though, that stuck out to you? One last thing that I thought was pretty cool was when Steve Sarkeesian was asked about BYU and its brand. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian has a little, is a little bit of a homer in the fact that he literally played for BYU, which is kind of surprising to hear that, like, a lot of the younger people that didn't grow up as BYU fans that are on BYU, they don't know Steve Sarkeesian as the ex-BYU quarterback. They know him as the ex-USC, the ex-USC coach, the ex-Alabama coach. That's what they know him as, is the Texas head coach. But Steve Sarkeesian, when asked about BYU, said BYU's always been a national brand. And he went on to praise BYU for like like five minutes. And that was awesome. Oh, another thing that I just remembered. Sonny Dykes, when asked about BYU, used the word respect like 20 times in the 50 words that he spoke. Like he was like, wow. I respect BYU. They're a respectable program. You know, my dad and I watched them. I, I, I respect that program. And you know, I, I respect that they're here. Like, he just like he didn't. He just said respect a bunch of times over and over again. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take all the things. <laughs> Gotta love coach speak. Coach speaks hilarious. Coach speak is hilarious, and uh, I media days is fun. But like you said, you don't super like learn anything. Uh, but it's still fun. It still kind of gets you excited for football season. Uh, which is, for BYU, only 47 days away. Uh, 46 from when you're listening to this. So it's actually pretty close. We're getting closer. We are. I mean, how many Saturdays is that? That's, uh, what? Six. Six Saturdays? Yeah, just under yeah. six. Yeah, and six, seven Saturdays? Yeah. That's insane. And we'll have college football on our screen even a week before that, because in 39 days from when we're recording this, 38 days from when you're listening to this, Navy will play Notre Dame. Though I guess that won't be American football in America. That will be American football in Ireland. <laughs> Let's see who wins so, this game and then never wins another game on American soil. My money's on Notre Dame. The curse. The curse. <laughs> it is a home game for them, though. So I guess we'll see. But I'm very excited. It's coming yeah. very soon. Oh, yeah. Me too. 39 days, 38 days, in five Saturdays, five or six Saturdays, whatever it is, we will have college football on our screens once again. Is yeah. that not just beautiful? It is beautiful. And the Women's World Cup starts on Thursday, and it will end like five days before college football. So it's like we're almost Perfect. there. It's like, just a, it's like basically a month, like just a little over a month, and we're there. Uh, very exciting times. There's a lot to do. Um, for us and for you, the listeners. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to do. Uh, we will be helping you get ready for college football. Make sure you're tuning into these episodes, the win total preview, so that you get a comprehensive, super comprehensive overview of everything that's going on in the college football landscape. As the season gets closer, we will do more BYU-specific reviews and schedule reviews. We will be going over all of that. And don't forget... When week zero comes, there will be a weekend watch guide to help you navigate the college football landscape as well. So 
There's a lot of things going on here at the Royal Australian True Podcast. We're super excited that you're a part of it. We love you guys. Stay with us. It's going to be fun. Yes. And like Justin was saying, we are starting our win total conference previews. Uh, this will get you caught up on the conference, on the teams, the names to know, games to watch, teams to watch. Uh, we are 100% accurate. Um, all three of us were yep. definitely not in the positive in the cheese it department, though, after this win totals exercise last year, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but we are going to improve this year, for sure. And this year, or this week. Don't worry. What Straight up, we weren't, but units, we were, because we, we got the right units every single time. Yes, every time. We are, we are professionals <laughs> at laying the hard of Cheez-Its on the on the big names and stuff um so let's move ahead we're gonna do the american athletic conference uh today um this is a conference that has undergone quite a makeover um they had ucf cincy and houston leave which had been the top three schools basically for the last 10 years um and they picked up six new teams uh and so or six or five five new teams no six new teams Anyway, they have 14 now. Uh, The new teams, all from CUSA, are Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. Quite the mosh posh, uh, or hodgepodge, whatever you want to say, of teams. Um, Justin, what... With these new teams coming in, what is the expectation for this conference in 2023? This is going to be a super fun conference. Um... Not quite as fun as CUSA, in my opinion. And we'll get to CUSA later. Um, But it's just going to be hectic. Like, there's... The top is the top, right? You know, you have teams like Tulane that dominated. You'll have teams like UTSA that will be fighting to dominate, though they have never played the grind grind of an American schedule, you know. But also, the big dog, Cincinnati and... Yeah. The big (laughs) dog, Cincinnati, UCF, and air quotes, Houston, big dog... They're gone now. So, I mean, things have kind of opened up. The conference does feel a little top-heavy. Like, maybe the race for first place will be in for, for, like, between two or three dogs. But the bottom half of the conference is so bad that it will be so fun to watch. It, it, it'll, it'll be like like a Southern Mac. It'll be awesome. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. It really is. There's going to be a ton of parody. Uh, in this conference, and I think it's just a microcosm of college football as a whole. I think we're seeing more and more parity, and this is another example of it. Um, they have eight conference games on the schedule, so we like that. Um, they yeah. do schedule fairly well. I think as we're going through the schedules, we'll talk about it. But most of these teams have like pretty decent out of conference games. Like there weren't a, there weren't yeah. a ton of teams where I'm like, oh, okay, it's kind of lame. Um, and maybe that's just because of the talent level of these teams, but they also do their job uh, to schedule impressive non-con opponents. Yeah, they do. Should they be scheduling Alabama, or should they be scheduling all these teams that they're scheduling? Maybe not, but it's cool that they are. Yeah. Does it help their win total? No. No, it doesn't. But it's fun, and we care about fun. Yep. We are huge proponents of fun here on the Royal Strong and True Podcast. <laughs> um, let's just jump into it. Uh, let's let's kick things off. Let's just go in alphabetical order. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, let's do it. That sounds awesome. Our way down. 
Yeah, I mean, starting with Charlotte and working our way down um, on Charlotte's schedule is a very accurate representation of how we're going to do this. Uh, Charlotte's win total, uh, if you're not familiar with the minors, is three. Um, if your win total is three, not good. Not good. Not even close. Not a chance. No. <laughs> yeah, if you look at their uh, SP Plus ratings... They are literally worst in the American and SP+, worst in offensive SP+, 10th in defensive SP+, and 11th in returning production. Like, their highest rating is 114th in the country. This is a really bad team, um, and they did not get BYU powerhouse starter veteran George Udo, who ended up decommitting and going to Cincy. Um, Yeah, this is not going to (laughs) be That was weird. (laughs) It is not going to be a good team. Um, they didn't really do themselves any favors in the non-con, scheduling themselves Maryland and Georgia State. They get Georgia State at home, but Georgia State is a formidable foe. Like, yeah. That's not a Sun Belt team that you want to be messing with. So, I mean, three wins, can they get over three? And they're not, they're not, they've not been done any favors by Vegas either. It's not at two and a half. It's not at three and a half. It's at three. It's a flat three. Three wins, looking at the schedule, is the most likely. Maybe you'll get a win versus Rice. Maybe South Florida. Maybe the FCS team you're playing is in uh, South Carolina State. But there's no way you get four wins. I have to go under on the minors. Yeah, absolutely. This is the easiest money that we will make this offseason is betting the Charlotte under. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they're not going to be good. Yeah. Uh, I think that's enough to say for them, right? I guess – I, I'll mention two things, two good things about Charlotte. One, they have a defensive end named Demon Clowney. That's kind of cool. The, the demon in the name is cool. Um, and they also have a really good defensive end uh, named Iabioki. Not only is that a cool name, but he is also a big draft prospect to keep your eye on. So uh, if you find yourself on a Thursday afternoon watching Rice Charlotte – you can at least watch for Iabioki, uh, who will be going to the NFL draft after this year. But that's it. Iabioki. I don't have a single good thing to say about Charlotte. Um, North Carolina's cool, I guess. Uh, that's it. That's all I have to say. Okay, that's perfect. Uh, let's move on to East Carolina. Uh, East Carolina was good last year. They were very good. Uh, they went 8-5. and five. <laughs> They beat BYU. They beat UCF. The, we shudder when we think of them. This year, yeah. They only have 30% returning production. That's 132nd out of 133 teams. Um, and their schedule isn't exactly favorable. They're over under set at five and a half. Justin, what are you leaning with the Pirates of East Carolina? East Carolina. Yeah, I shudder whenever I hear that name. Um, I do think East Carolina, they're just a, they're, they're a frisky team. I don't know what it is about them, but they win games that they shouldn't win. They lose games that they shouldn't lose. They're, 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 they're just a weird school. Um, I have a friend in Greenville, North Carolina now who is getting his um, MBA at East Carolina. So I do have a little bit of kindred love towards the Pirates, even though I also hate them. They suck. Um, this entire win total for me... Um, hinges on Marshall. Is Marshall going to be good or not? Can they win against Marshall? If they win against Marshall, they go over. If they lose, they go under. I have them winning six wins. East Carolina's going bowling. 
over. Okay, I'm 100% with you on the Marshall thing. Because I I had the exact same thought. They play at Marshall at home, and then they go to App State. Those are two very good Sunbelt teams, and you're not going to win on the road. So I throw the App State one out. But that Marshall no. game, I think they're going to lose, so I'm going under on on the win total. But I think for you, if, if they win that Marshall game, then we could definitely see a bowl-eligible East Carolina team. Uh, the schedule is, like, semi-favorable. They don't play a ton of the best teams. Um, they do get UTSA. I mean, weeks UTSA. 10. Say it again? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Weeks 9 through 11, Tulane, or UTSA, Tulane, FAU. It's a tough stretch. Um, and then they get Navy and Tulsa on the end. I, I'm, I just think it's going to be under for them. But I would not be surprised if they beat Marshall go on to make a bowl game, win six games, hit that over five and a half. So are you officially on the under? I am officially on the under. Fine, fine, fair enough. We'll see. We'll see who's right. Maybe, maybe it's just a hangover from the BYU game last year, but I'm, I'm, no, I'm on the under. That's fair. That's fair. Next up on the docket, we got Florida Atlantic University. Uh... Gotta love the Owls. That's a lot of fun. That's a fun mascot. Um, their win total was set at seven and a half. Ooh. Their non-con is kind of interesting. They get Monmouth, you know, that the basketball bench dancing legends from a while ago. Uh, Ohio, the Bobcats. And then they go to Clemson. Okay. Why would you do that? I don't know. Then they go to Illinois. And then they have, you know, their normal American schedule. Their win total is set at seven and a half. They have the number one returning production rate in the American after a good year last year. What do you have them doing this year, Jared? Uh, see, I'm not 100% sure. I think FAU is buzzing right now. Final four run for the basketball team. That was exciting. Yeah. Uh, they have their new head coach, Tom Herman, who was the OC at Ohio State last time they won a natty. He was the head coach of Houston, did an amazing job. Then he took the head coach job at Texas and got ousted by the boosters after like two years because that's what they do there. Yep. Um, do you remember when Lane Kiffin was at FAU and he like won CUSA twice in a row? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I think Tom Herman is going to do the same thing. He's got a lot of returners, including thousand yard back Larry McCammon the third. That's a name. Um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be pretty good. Their hardest games are at home. I don't know if they win all of them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be pretty good. I just don't know if they're going to get to eight. I don't think Tulane, East Carolina, UTSA, Illinois, and Clemson. I don't know if you can win all of those games. I just don't trust them to beat all the teams they're supposed to beat yet. So I'm going to be on the under here. That's fair, and I agree. I, I think scheduling Clemson and Illinois in the non-con does not do you any favors. You're obviously going to lose at Clemson in the fake Death Valley. And you are probably going to lose at Illinois. That's your make-or-break game, in my opinion. Do you win that game? That if you win that game, maybe you can go over. Because like you're saying, you do get UTSA at home. You do get East Carolina at home. You do get Tulane at home. Rice on the road, UAB and Charlotte on the road. Those are, that's a very favorable schedule. So you're in, in the American, you will probably be doing pretty well. Maybe only two, three losses there. But at the end of the day, your non-con makes it too hard for you to go over, so I'm going under. 
Yeah, I think yeah, we're in agreement there. I I think they'll be improved. I think they're going to be good in the future. I just don't think they get to eight. I think seven is probably the max there. Um, next no, up, I agree. Yeah, next up we have another team at a seven and a half win total. Um, this is the Memphis Tigers. They have a very favorable schedule. Um, it's it's tough, but it's favorable to them. Um, they get Tulane at home, SMU at home, Boise State at home, Navy at home. So, like, those are those are some of your hardest games, and you get them at home. Um, I don't know. They have a returning QB, a very good offensive line, huge question marks in the wide receiver room. Um, I don't know. I think they're going to have a really good offense, but they do have some they they have some question marks that they need to work out first. Uh, so, Justin, on Memphis, seven and a half win total. Where are you going? So, I mean, they went seven and six last year, right? I don't remember. Did they win or did they lose their bowl game? I think they won they, the bowl game because they played Utah State and beat them like thirty-five to ten or something. Oh, that's right. That's right. So this they went six and six. So with a win total of seven and a half, Vegas is projecting that they will get one win better at the very least. I think that they will get two wins better. I do think that they're going to hit the over. That they're going to get the eight wins. They did the. They did a smart thing in their non-con scheduling. They took Bethune Cookman. Okay. Easily beatable. Arkansas State, easily beatable. Took their one payout game versus Missouri, who okay. Missouri really is not that unbeatable. And then a high-profile G5 team, Boise State, which is going to be a really fun matchup. They did their non-con really well. I think that helps them. I mean, really, the hardest games they have on their schedule are from, from the American are Tulane and SMU. They, they dodge a lot of the other Giants. So... They have a very favorable schedule. I think all roads point to an over for me. I agree. I am 100% in agreement. I think they can definitely beat Missouri. Like, I, Missouri is not unbeatable, like you said. And a lot of the question marks that they have, I think they can work out in those three warm-up games they have. Bethune-Cookman, Arkansas State, and Navy. I think you can work out the kinks in those first couple of weeks. Maybe you lose at Missouri, but you can definitely beat Boise State. And then you have room to lose the Tulane and SMU, which games are both at home. I apparently yeah. Memphis is a good atmosphere when they are good. Like I don't I definitely see an over here. I'm I I definitely am taking the over. I'm pretty comfortable in the over here. Okay, see. So yeah, we're in agreement there. Uh next up Now Yes. Take it away, Justin. Yeah. This is a weird one. Navy. <laughs> Navy is a very weird school. And the fact that, A, new head coach. Ken Niamatalelolo, gone. He gone. Uh, did I pronounce that right? Who knows? Uh, sure. Greg Rebell will fly in on Twitter and correct me. Um <laughs> This is going to be very weird because the new offensive rule, sorry, the new clock rules in college football have effectively killed the triple option at Navy. Navy cannot do the same things that it can do because it will not have as much clock to work with. That was the whole point of the triple option. Grind and pound, get that first down, elongate the game, tire out your opponent. You can't really do that when the clock's not stopping outside of two minutes. So they're going to be switching away from a triple option, but also still running the triple option, but like out of a shotgun. And I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird. Lots of stuff going on. Their win total is at six and a half. So 
Vegas has them going bowling even if you go under. Do you agree with that, Jared? I don't I don't know because it's like the same thing as Army. Moving to a shotgun in the triple option, like it makes sense. It makes sense why you do it. But do they have the personnel to run that kind of formation? Do they like it's just a completely, like absolutely completely new offense. Um, something that none of these guys at Navy have any experience running. Um they're two returning quarterbacks, both missed all of spring practice uh, with injuries. So I I really don't know. Like, they obviously are going to have a great defense, like always, super gritty, um, except when they're playing on Memorial Day against BYU during COVID. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, looking at the schedule, <laughs> yeah, looking at the schedule, I think you're going to lose to Notre Dame, Memphis, Air Force. I don't – it all comes down to the Army game for me. It de- who picks up the new kind of offense better? I'm going to lean towards Navy, but Army very well could. I don't know. So I'm going to take them winning in that Army game, and I guess I'm going to take the over. I'm not confident, oh. but I think they're going to figure it out. I think it's going to catch some people by surprise. They won't really know how to uh, address this new offense. And I'm going to take the over, but I'm not confident whatsoever. Yeah, I, I think Navy cursed themselves. Um, the way they fired Ken um, didn't even tarmac him. They went to the locker room after he had just lost this crazy game and just fired him right then and there after everything that he's done for the program. Didn't invite him back to be some sort of analyst or whatever. They just said, we're done with you. I think that has officially cursed Navy forever. I think that they are going to be the worst of the service academies. I think they would lose to Division Two Coast Guard as well, um, yeah, I'm going to take the end on this one just out of principle. I think they're only going to win four games this year. Uh, you know what? I If they win four games, I will not be surprised. I won't bat an eye. Like, that is a very, very possible outcome. I guess we're going to see. I think I'm going to end up regretting this pick sometime in the future. Yeah, I, I just – I think they're cursed. They're cursed. You don't fire Coach Ken the way that you fired Coach Ken. That's just After, after not, 21 years. Not right. He was on Meet Not the Mormons. Right. Yep. Yeah, he's in Meet the Mormons. Come on, dude. Like, he brought a freaking movie to your campus. <laughs> yeah, can't do him dirty like that. Meet um, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. True, true. Shame on us. <laughs> um, uh, let's move on. We got North Texas, another new team to the American. They went 7-7 seven seven last year. They made it to the championship game. They got blown out by UTSA, but they made it there. They're still yeah. good. Freaking um, yeah, North Texas. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Justin, I know you have a lot of love for North Texas, probably based on of, uh, NCAA 13. Am I correct? Yeah, and I called last year that North Texas was going to the championship game. Did I not? You did. Absolutely did. Like, yeah. I love North Texas. They were in total set at six. So, I mean, Vegas has them regressing a little bit, which is honestly understandable. Their head coach leaves. They get a new head coach in Eric Morris, who was just hired. I mean, he did Eric Morris has done some very interesting things. He was an offensive coordinator at Washington State that had a lot of success there. I think that he's going to be a very good coach. Now, it's going to take some time to implement some things. But honestly, I think I'm still high on the UTSA train. And I will keep backing UTSA because of NCAA Football 13. Because I really like their style of play, because they're in the Dallas area and always get these slept-on recruits, 
there's all they're they're really good at developing these guys. I think their win total set at six. I think they'll win eight games. I think this is an easy over for me. Interesting. Uh, see, I, here's my here's my thought process because I I can see it. Uh, North Texas was super frisky last year. They made a championship game, like you said, great play style. Um, they lost their quarterback, but apart from that, they have a very solid roster. Mm-hmm. Um, here's where it comes down to me. So they play Cal. I you could win that game. Totally probable. Oh, I think they win that game. Cal is coming to Fort Worth to play that. That's, that's true, actually. That's going to be bumping. That's going to be an environment. That will be yeah. an environment. Justin, you may just talk me into this over real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Okay, so you could you could foreseeably beat Cal. I, that is not yeah. something that's out of question. You're definitely going to beat FIU. Definitely going to beat La Tech. You're definitely going to beat Abilene Christian. Navy and Temple, I think you go to Navy. I think that's going to be an interesting one. Definitely going to beat Temple, but then you go on the most brutal stretch in in the All of the American. Yeah. Memphis UTSA at home at SMU. Like those are all the big dogs in the conference, and you get them four straight weeks. No buy. Um, that's going to be brutal. If their team stays bought into what Coach Morris is selling, if they can continue to fight even after going on that brutal stretch. You get Tulsa and UAB at the end of the season. And you know what, Justin? I think you've convinced me again. This is Virginia Tech. Yes. I'm going to go with the over. I think you can win the <laughs> I think it's dependent on if you stay bought in, but I think they can. And if you beat Cal at the beginning of the year, which they very well could, like that gets you an insurance win. Now that I'm looking at it, five is way less likely than seven. So I'm picking my chance, or I'm, I'm switching my pick. I'm going seven. I'm going with the over. I'm with you, Justin. The mean green, baby. We love the mean green. Swag <laughs> Kelly. Swag Kelly. Um, let's move on to a team that has a lot more red on their roster, shall we? Rice. <laughs> I still laugh at just the name Rice for a football team. Rice. Literally just like a freaking go into Microsoft Word and find Old medieval font and type R. Like, that's their whole logo. Yes, it is. Uh, they were a sneaky 5-8 and eight last year. Um, they made a bowl game at 5-7, and seven, question mark. Uh, but, yeah, they were, like, sneaky decent, honestly. So, it's kind of interesting. But this year, win total set of 4.5. They have uh, Georgia starter JT Daniels. Uh, oh. JT Daniels is still playing. Still playing. Oh my goodness. Hang it up, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. They, I just don't see it with them this year. I don't know. I, I think they'll be improved, but they're not going to get to five wins again. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in the under here. I'd be surprised if they win more than one game. <laughs> like... Honestly, like, Rice, they're going to be bad. Rice is just, you can't recruit players there because of the high, stringent academic standards. In the middle of, Rice is in Houston, right? Or what, what part of Texas is it in? Absolutely no idea. In the middle of freaking nowhere about Texas. Do you think those kids care about their education as much as they care about football? No! 
You know, this isn't freaking Stanford. This isn't Cal or whatever. I mean, Cal forgot about the program a long time ago. But this isn't Stanford. This isn't Yale. This isn't Harvard where you can have successful programs in their division. This is Rice, okay? Rice sucks. It's always sucked. It will continue to suck. Rice will win negative one games this year. Rice, <laughs> you're overcooked. You're not good. You're just Peruvian white rice that has no seasoning to it whatsoever that you've been force-fed an entire plate full of for two years straight that you are staring down that you cannot even stomach to look at. That's what rice is to me. <laughs> that was pretty harsh, Justin, but not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we need to say anything else about rice. That summed it up perfectly. Rice sucks. <laughs> rice sucks. Um, let's move on to SMU. Okay, so they lost to BYU. Um, we still don't know how they lost to BYU. Um, Miracle Bowl, still fresh in the minds of probably at least a couple people there. Um, (laughs) um, They lost their quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, who was Mm -hmm. incredible last year. Uh, They lost to Wisconsin. They need to improve the defense a ton. Um, Win total at 8.5 with a pretty favorable schedule. What are you thinking Pretty favorable American schedule, but then you take your non-con into account and you're going to Oklahoma and to TCU. True. I admire the ambition, but that's two automatic losses on your schedule. Like, that's that's automatically, so two losses, right? You only have ten games. If you are going to go over on this eight and a half, right, you have to go nine and one in those ten games. I just don't see that happening because they have at Memphis on their schedule, at East Carolina, which will be sneaky, sneaky tough. I, I don't know. Like, could they go 9-1? I do think they could, but will they? No, I, I honestly don't think they will. They're still rebuilding after losing Sunny Dykes. So, give me the under on this one. Just a slight under. I do think maybe they'll get to eight wins, but I, I just don't think that nine wins is probable. You're not going to make a two-win jump from last season. See, now, for me, I'm on the other side here. They do. TCU and Oklahoma are definitely going to be losses. Mm -hmm. Now, I look at these games like, I mean, at Memphis is going to be the hardest game on the rest of the schedule. You go to Memphis, I think they might lose that game. But other than that, like, at East Carolina is the hardest other game, and they're coming off of a bye for that game. So I I don't think they'll lose it. Like, I just think their schedule is so favorable – that I, I think nine is the floor for this team. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm choosing over. I think nine is the floor. I also think it's the ceiling, <laughs> but there's just the other schedule is just so favorable. I think they can do it. I think we can get to the over. So I'm on the SMU Mustangs. I'm on the, I'm on the staying train this year. Counterpoint. SMU gets ECU off of a bye, but ECU also gets SMU off of a bye. Oh. <laughs> they have the same bye week. Now that that makes it interesting. I mean, that's where it lies then, right? That's where the over will be made or lost. I mean, and that's where it lies in that East Carolina game, right? And that's where we differ. I mean, we're pretty similar in all of the games that we think they are going to win or lose. The only, like, glaring difference is East Carolina and North Texas, which I have them losing. But even if you were to switch that to an L on your side, it would still be an over. So that East Carolina game is really the hinge point. And that will be a very interesting game to watch, October 12th, week 7. Hey, we might mention that a little bit later. 
Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think they'll be in the running for a conference title if they can keep it together and beat everyone they're supposed to. Um, let's move ahead to USF. Again, not a lot to say here. They're 1-11 last year. Absolutely horrific defense. Uh, decent offense, but the, the defense was just so bad. Uh, new head coach, they still have Gary Jerry at quarterback. Um, <laughs> Gary Jerry. Four and a half for Southern Florida. What are you taking? I personally, I'm on the under. I don't. I think four wins is the absolute max. I, I don't see an over. I think four wins is the absolute max as well. But I do think it all hinges. Week six, October seventh at UAB. There, there's going to be something very crazy happening there that us BYU and Royal Strong and Two fans are going to be familiar with. <laughs> Can they win that game? Going up against the forces. Of Layla Waller himself at UAB. Friend of the, the, the ex-friend of the program? <laughs> ex-friend of the program, Layla Waller. He's going to be at UAB playing against USF. Can USF overcome that? Can they overcome the fact that Layla Waller left the Royal Strong and True Friendship? I don't think they can. Because of that, I'm going under. All right. Uh, yeah, not a lot else to say. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see it here. Gary, Jerry, maybe not the greatest. Gary, Jerry, Jerry, Gary, Gary, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, he's decent, but maybe not the absolute best. Um, now let's go to Temple. Their winter will open at six down mm. to 5.5. Second year of head coach Stan Drayton should have a decent offense. Uh, but the defense Needs to improve. They do have a decent amount of returning production, 73%. That's 17th yeah. in the country, second in the American. That's pretty good. Um, I, I'm going to turn it over to you because this is kind of disgusting. I, I feel like I'm in the weeds here. No, this is a very sickos, um, this is a very sickos pick. Uh, they went 3-9 and nine last year, so if you're betting the over, you're expecting them to double their wins from the previous season. Which is not an easy thing to do in the American. They do get to play Akron, um, Norfolk Stake, and all the, the likes of those two in the non-con. And they get to go at Rutgers, which is kind of like a G5 game. But, I don't know. They just they have such a tough conference schedule. Like There's no way, in my opinion, that you can justify this team doubling its win total from the previous year. Because, because of that, I just like, principal pick, I have to go under. I, I think I should be more aligned with you, but I'm not. I, I'm nope. throwing lots out the window, unfortunately. I'm picking the over. Now, I know what you're saying. Jared is taking the over on a Temple win total? Yes, I am, and I hate myself for it. Um, they're going to beat Akron. They're going to beat Norfolk State. I think they can win at Tulsa. I don't think Tulsa is going to be that good. And then it's going to be after the bye week. Navy, USF, UAB. If they can win those three games, they can hit the over. Me and my stupidity, I am choosing them to win all three of those games. They're probably going to lose two of them. But I guess I'm buying in. Temple, baby. Temple marriage. Temple covenants. Temple football. I mean, does it change your opinion, the fact that they have to go against Layla Waller at UAB? (laughs) See, now this is something that I should have considered doing my research. I forgot (laughs) the Layla Waller effect. The Layla Waller effect. I don't even know if he's playing. Maybe he'll rush here. I don't know. <laughs> Goodness yeah, not gracious. Except that I am dreading 
like October when they have no wins. I forgot Trent Dilfer is UAB. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next team. There's a there's a couple of teams that start with T in the American, uh, much alike, much like the tea that was poured into the harbor that makes us American. Um, shout out Boston Tea Party. Uh, next up, we got Tulane. So Tulane, as you know, won the American last year and then beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. Were we surprised by that? Absolutely not. I think the World Strong and True podcast saw them beating USC by a month. I mean, just look at the uniforms and it tells you everything. Oh, heck yeah, the green wave, it's absolutely beautiful. That seafoam green that they use is just immaculate. Mwah. Their win total is set at nine. Their non-con includes the likes of South Alabama, Southern Miss, Nickel State, and Ole Miss. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Nine is really high, but I'm going to take the over. I think ten wins is more possible than eight wins. It's tough because it's at nine, right? If it's at nine and a half, it's pretty easy. Or at eight and a half, it's super easy. But nine is hard, but I'm just going to go with the over. I think they can win at Ole Miss. I haven't penciled in as a loss right now, but I think they can definitely win that game early in the season before Ole Miss really knows what they're doing at quarterback uh, with Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart there. I think they're going to win all of their non-con games. South Alabama will be sneaky, but it's first game. They should come out strong. Um, And then the two games that I have my eye on, at Memphis and UTSA at home to end the season. Yep. I I have the UTSA game penciled in as a loss and the Memphis game penciled in as a win just because it's coming off of a bye. But even if you lose both of those... It's still nine, and I think they'll get one of those. So I'm going to take the over with that push insurance. So I do think nine wins is extremely likely. I agree with that. I think they are going to win nine games, but I lean to the under more than I lean to the over. I don't think they have as much of a chance at Ole Miss as we think. At Memphis is going to be a very tough game. They do get them off of a bye, but I think Memphis also gets them off of a bye. UTSA at home. We don't really know what UTSA is going to be. Are they going to be great like they were in the CUSA, or are they going to be kind of middle of the pack as they navigate this transition to the American? I don't know. I just think at Memphis, then North Texas back-to-back is going to be a little bit of a brutal stretch. Then you get at FAU, UTSA to end the year. Another two-win brutal stretch. I just, I don't know. I think dropping one more game is more likely than winning 10 games. I'm going under. Interessante. 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 Uh, I think Tulane will be a team to watch, though. Uh, they have a lot of high-profile games. It'll be an exciting team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next on, up. We have Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa. Tulsa. The Golden Sorry. Hurricane? Yes, the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa. Four and a half wins. Uh, all my notes, all I have in my notes is not good, dot, dot, mm. dot. So I have, the, I have the under with their only wins coming against Rice, Charlotte, and University of Arlington Peanut Butter, or whatever. University you of Arkansas Pine Bluff, please do not disrespect. Do not disrespect the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hard under for me on Tulsa. Understanding, I, I understand the sentiment. Um, 
for that reason, I I agree. I mean, they're going to be bad. Um, they're they're going to be really bad. They don't do themselves any favors in the non-con scheduling at Washington and Oklahoma at home. I mean, that Oklahoma always kind of blows a G5 at like non-conference game, though. So that that might be a little funky. The fact that they have to get the five wins makes me want to take the under. All signs point to an under, but. Just as a frickin' we ball pick, I'm going over on Tulsa. I don't care. Like, do I think they're going to win five games? No, but gosh dang it, they're going to surprise me. They're going to win five wins. They're going to win five games. Give me the over on Tulsa. Frick it. Why not? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I did not see that one coming at all. Um, but that's exciting. I guess. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch for dang sure. Uh, I'm very excited to watch the Tulsa over hit. In my face. Uh, oh, yeah. That'll be exciting. It's going to happen at East Carolina, last game of the year. <laughs> Boom, they win it to get to the over five wins. Tulsa, not going bowling unless they go bowling at five and seven like Rice did. But, I don't know. I'm not going to lie, that happen. very East Carolina to lose that game. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move ahead. Let's go to the University of Arkansas Bluff. Uh, mm-hmm. No, uh, it's UAB, Alabama-Birmingham. Uh, I think, I don't know. Uh, yes. I hate this team for what they did to us uh, and how our team was coached going into this game in the Independence Bowl. Over under four and a half, Trent Dilfer, head coach. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I only see four wins on here. NCA&T, USF, Navy, Temple, max four wins. That's a brutal schedule. I, don't, I do not see the over here. Yeah, no, the fact that you go to Georgia, why? And then to Tulane after that, to UTSA, to Navy, to North Texas. The only home games you get are your FCS, USF, Memphis, FAU, Temple. Like, that's brutal. That's just an absolutely brutal scheduling job. They got wrecked by the American. UAB, they are not going to win five games. I'm sorry, Layla Waller, but your team will be laying low. Ooh. Got him. Dab, dab, dab. <laughs> um, let's move ahead to the final team. It's UTSA. We've been talking about them all podcast. It's the Roadrunners. Uh, seven and a half is their win total. I don't know. They're they're a team of ballers. Like, they balled yeah. out in the games of last year. Frank Harris is back. Um, they lose to McCormick, but they're poised to step right in and win. Um I'm very excited for this team. Uh, they have a pretty tough out of conference. They go to Houston, to Tennessee, no. um, and then in the in the conference schedule they go to FAU and to Tulane. Um, those are probably their hardest conference games. I don't know. Seven and a half is a win total. I think eight is the floor for this team. So give me that over. I absolutely agree. I think eight is the floor for this team. I think they'll probably lose at Houston, at Tennessee, at North Texas, at Tulane. After that, I don't see them losing another game. I think nine wins is possible. It's going to be a weird transition. We've never seen them play in the American before. So that is tough. But I think eight wins is the floor as well. I'm going over. Yeah. I, I like that we're in agreements there because I, I'm i a little worried about it because I feel so strongly about it. Um, but I, I really do mm. feel strongly that the Roadrunners are going to be really good uh, this coming year. Um, and that kind of does it for our team-by-team team breakdown, but let's go back. Let's look at the conference as a whole. Um, what are some of the storylines that you have your eyes on 
for this upcoming year? Cincinnati and UCF have had a chokehold on this conference for the better part of a decade now. Now that they're gone, this is anyone's conference. Does Memphis finally step up and say, hey, we were the big dogs before, we'll be the big dogs again? Does a newcomer say, hey, we're new to the American, but frick it, we ball. We're, 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 we're coming and we're coming to win. UTSA. UTSA. I don't, there's a huge power vacuum. It's going to be a lot of fun to see who ends up on top this year. But, I, yeah, that's one of the biggest storylines. You have Tulane there as well, trying to repeat that success they had. UTSA trying to mimic what they did in CUSA. But with this team, with this conference being so top-heavy with the Memphis, Tulane, UTSA, SMU, do you think they can still try and call themselves the P6? Was that even found? Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't even know if they had a right to in the first place. Well, I mean, I get why they did. You know, Cincinnati was doing incredibly. You know, Cincinnati made the college football playoff as a team from the American. Uh, UCF, big air quotes here, won a national championship in 2017. So um, I, I get why they claimed it. They were definitely the best conference outside of the P5. But now I don't think they are. I don't think they can claim that P6 title. I just... I think that the Power Five conferences have gobbled up the majority of good football teams, and I think there has never been a wider disparity between the Power Five and the and the Group of Five as there has been as of right now. Are there other teams that deserve P5 status? I do think so, but I do think the gap has never been wider. I agree, and I think it's perfect. I like obviously we're going to see more changes in the future, but like this American is a perfect example of why it's not a bad thing. Like, this conference is going to be full of parity. You have high-end teams. You have a bunch of mediocre teams that are just going to eat themselves up and down. Like, you'll never know which team is going to win. From a pure, from a pure like, football standpoint, like, that's, that's a lot of fun. And I think parity uh, is another one of those storylines that I'm really excited to watch this fall. What do you think are the most important games that we're going to be able to watch? I mean, you're going to be putting together the weekend watch guides. When you do, which are the ones that you're going to be highlighting is watch this game, watch this game? It may not be a rivalry, but rivalry weekend, we have UTSA at Tulane. I think that is going to be a banger of a game. Uh, for me, Heck those yeah. are going to be two, two of my best teams in the American, I think. And on rivalry weekend, no less, I think that's going to be incredible. Uh, but we also have some really good non-conference games. Boise State-Memphis, Ole Miss at Tulane, South Alabama at Tulane. Like, There's some really good non-con games out there. One of my favorite non-con games you didn't even mention is Cal coming to Fort Worth to play North Texas. And I've already mentioned this, but I think that's just going to be a hilarious game. Cal has completely given up on its football program. North Texas is finally starting to put some money into theirs. I mean, a very movable force, (laughs) or like a a, um, very stoppable force is meeting a movable object. So it's, it's, it's going to be very fun. It's just going to be a hilarious game to watch. I'm looking forward to it. But I'm really looking forward to those other games that you mentioned, especially UTSA at Tulane on Rivalry Weekend. That will be one that I will definitely have on my television set. Yes, and it will be meaningful as well to the conference race. Um, as far as over and underachieving teams, I have as overachieving teams, I think Temple and Navy, again, I'm not confident in either of these. 
But I think they're going to be markedly improved from last year. Um, as far as underachieving, I don't think East Carolina or North Texas are going to quite hit that win total. I don't think either of them will be terrible, but I just don't think it'll be the level of success that their fans will want. Um, but who do you have as your over underachieving teams? I'm going to have to completely disagree with you on North Texas. I think they are going to be an overachieving team. I do think that they're being overlooked coming into the American, and I do think that they are going to perform extremely well. I mean, I think that you know it's going to be hard with a new head coach, but I do think that the style of offense that Eric Morris is bringing in will have success on the American. As for my underachieving teams, Rice, I hate you. Rice, you suck. Rice, get out of my life forever. And FAU. I just don't know why. I don't know why I feel that FAU is going to underperform, but I do. Yeah, well, and I think expectations are going to be really, really high at FAU, so it may not be that difficult to underachieve in that sense. Yep. As far as some of the team or some of the names that we want to know, um, Michael Pratt of Tulane, quarterback, and Frank Harris, quarterback of UTSA. I think those are two big names, probably the stars of the league. But there are a couple of other guys. Um, I mentioned Iabioki from Charlotte, the defensive end. Uh, but there's definitely there's not as many names as as maybe a, a one of these other conferences. But there are some big names to watch. Yeah, and I think that you know th- there's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Frank Harris and the American. Frank Harris, if you have not been following UTSA football, first of all, how dare you? You better be. <laughs> Frank Harris is a beast. He is a baller. He's going to have so much like. His athleticism is, is off the charts, and he's going to have so much success in the American. I do think that one person you should be looking out for, and I'm still riding the North Texas train, so I'm going to throw this out there. Roderick Burns from North Texas. Okay. He's kind of been flying under the radar because there have been other wide receiver ones that have dominated that wide receiver room. But the past couple years, I mean, he's had 800 receiving yards, 600 receiving yards, averaging a decent amount per game, a 70-yard reception last year. There's a lot of He's got a lot of star power in him, too. I do think that he's going to have a breakout year. Okay. Uh, I'm excited to watch this North Texas team, probably because we're both – we have such different opinions on how they're going to go. Yeah. Um, but it helps that they're going to have, like, a, a draft prospect maybe on their team. Uh, to kind of get the other people watching as well. Um, let's go with some bold predictions. Let's wrap things up with bold predictions, our championship game t- uh, teams and winners. I, For me, my bold prediction is that there's going to be a three-way tie for first place. I think okay. SMU, Between UTSA, and Tulane are all going to finish uh, at the top. I think they will all have one loss in conference. I don't know what the tiebreakers are. I don't know how it's going to work. But I think that's going to be kind of the – the top of the conference. I think S or uh, Memphis will also be up there, but they'll have two losses. Um, so yeah, I think somebody is going to be very angry that they are left out of the conference title game. Um, and I think it's going to be SMU, UTSA to, to land. That's my bold prediction. And I like that. I think that's really cool. I think it's awesome that you have UTSA dominating right away at the beginning. Uh, the second they get into the American tying for first place. I think that's awesome. Right my there, bold baby. prediction is that Memphis is going to reemerge as a conference contender. I don't know how bold that is, given that Memphis is the biggest name probably in the American, you could say at this point, that is left after the exodus of Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. 
But I think they're going to reemerge as a conference contender. Do I think that they're going to be great? Do I think that they're going to be champions or anything? I don't think so. But I think that they're going to reemerge and that they will be at the top of the American once again. I would love that. I think it would be great if we had Memphis back. Their fans are super, super annoying. They're kind of like UCF yep. fans. Uh, and so it would be great to have that kind of banter saying that they could be Alabama, you know, and they're like, you know, 9-3 and three with a two-point win over Rice. Uh, but yeah. I, I would love to have Memphis back. Um, as far as your title game, Justin, who do you have in that title game? Does Memphis make it up there as kind of a conference contender? So I think they will. I think Memphis will finally find their way back to the American Championship game. And I think Tulane is just an unstoppable force. I think Tulane's going to run through the entire conference. Tulane will run through whoever they meet in the American Championship game. This is Tulane's window, right? You have last year and you have this year. After this year, I think Tulane will drop off again. But this is the final year of Tulane's window. I think they're going to have success. Tulane's winning it all. Uh, I like that. I'm with you. I think Tulane is also going to win it. Uh, SMU is my conference runner-up, I guess you would say. Um, I just pick them over UTSA because even though I think they'll be a three-way tie for first place, I think SMU is more probable to have a better record, better wins, uh, more impressive wins, just because their schedule is a little bit more favorable. Um, but I think regardless, Tulane is going to win this conference again. They have the best quarterback. They have one of the best coaches in the league. They have a ton of returning production in a very important spots on the field. Like you said, this is Tulane's conference. This is their window. I see him going to a New Year's Six again. Sweet. To a New Year's Six again. Okay. So not only um, winning the conference, but still being the highest-ranked G5 champion. Yes. And I think they'll be, I think they'll be higher than the worst-ranked New Year's Six team. Like, I don't think it's going to be one of those years where it's like all the New Year's Six teams are 1 through 11 with the playoff, and then you have the AAC champion at, like, 23. I think think Tulane will genuinely be a top 12, top 10 team by the end of the year solely because they won't have any losses. I think think they're going to be very impressive this year. Interesting. Well, that's a pretty bold take, Jared. Maybe you should have put that in your bold takes category, Tulane being a top 12 team. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's probably a little more probable than having a three-way tie for first place. But, oh, well, we'll move on. Yeah. I mean, will we move on? That concludes our our, – Recap of the American Conference. I mean, we've kind of already mentioned players to watch, games that you want to watch, and who we think is going to be the comp- who we think are going to be the competing teams in the American. Do you have any closing thoughts about this conference? I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I, the American was kind of hard to watch in the past, just because you knew that it was going to be Cincy and UCF. Tulane was an exciting new story that was coming out. Um, I think this is going to be a an improved league from last year. Even though you're losing your top three teams, I think across the board you'll have more teams that will improve than regress. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of parity. It'll be really fun to see North Texas, UAB, UTSA, all these new teams coming into the league. I think it's going to be really exciting to see how they mesh, how they do, how they perform. Uh, I'm really excited to watch the American this year. Uh, it, it won't be that league that I just forget about unless it's Cincy or UCF playing. It's going to be one of those leagues where I'm actually <laughs> excited to see who wins. That's awesome. That, I mean, that's interesting. I don't think that they're going to be as good as they were with UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. I do think they'll still be watchable. It'll still be fun to watch. I don't think they'll be any less good to watch. I just think they're not going to be as good, you know, X's and O's wise, you know, when you put the statistics down to the, like, you know, use pen and paper, write down the statistics, 
I do think they're not going to be as good. It'll still be very fun to watch. This is your reminder that all football is good football. That is it doesn't crazy. matter. Doesn't matter if they're bad. If there is a brown football moving across your television screen on green grass, with some exceptions <laughs> to the color of the grass, at least, you will have fun. You will have fun watching football. Don't discount the American. Don't forget about them. It's going to be a fun league. Like Jared said, there's going to be a lot of parody. Tune in. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that wraps it up. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll have more coming out in the future. Like we said, we're going to run through every single conference. We're going to get you caught up on college football. So by the time week zero hits, you will know more than your buddies, your friends. You will be caught up and ready to go. Just jump right in um, and start following all the storylines, watching all the fun games, and following all the best teams. Uh, we're very excited to bring it to you, and that is our mission, is to make you love college football as much as we do. It may not happen because we're freaks, but that's <laughs> our plan, is to try and get you to love it even more. Oh, heck yeah. And one of the ways you can accomplish it is by listening to the episodes, downloading, sharing them with your friends. Another way you can accomplish it is by following us on Instagram and Twitter, at Loyal2RoyalPod. You'll find lots of content. You'll find us talking about these, um, these games that we love. And we will ask you questions. You will get to participate in these episodes as well, sending mailbag questions and even providing your own input into, into who you think will win the American, the ACC, or any other conference that we are previewing. So make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod. We will find that content, and it's going to be a ton of fun. All right. Well, we will see you next time. Goodbye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>